The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. If you've been following along with us throughout the past, uh, this will be the fourth week, we've been moving through a series of sermons on relationships and looking at the different types of relationships that we have in our lives, we call them dimensions. Uh, using kind of a triangle to imagine these, you know, we have our upward relationship to God. This is our, our lives of devotion to God, the triune God. Then we also have these inward relationships as we are called to be a people of God, a church community that is distinctly unique in the greater body of Christ, right? We are First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, and we make promises to each other in baptism to be with each other, to we covenant together, to grow as disciples of Jesus. It's a unique relationship that you have with those who are sitting around you in the pews. And now we turn outward and we look at our outward relationships, the relationships that we have to our communities and our world. And as I was thinking about it this week, I thought, you know, if there's any word that could make Christian Reformed folks just shuffle in their seats a little bit, it would be the word evangelism. You know, if, when I say that word, there's probably a number of things that come and pop into your mind. Perhaps this is a, an area of gifting for you, and I'm way off the mark. But I do wonder if, for many of us, this is something that we struggle with. We struggle to know how to, to, to evangelize well. And yet, um, we can't help but notice that when Jesus gives the Great Commission to the, dis, the, the disciples and to the church and to us, he's also sending us out to make disciples of Jesus, there's an evangelistic mandate that is given to the church. And so we can't ignore this. If we were to look up evangelism on Google, just Google, definition of evangelism, and you would see that it's, what it means, to, to evangelize means to, to spread the Christian gospel, specifically, by public preaching and personal witness. And so evangelism is this, this proclamation of the gospel and also a witness that comes alongside that. It's kind of a twofold thing. Now hearing this also makes me shift in the pulpit a little bit too. As a pastor, I am not very good at this. So you have to know that about me. This is a struggle for me as well. And yet this week I was very convicted about why. Why do we struggle so hard with evangelism? Especially given the fact that we actually evangelize more often than we think we do. Some of you may know that I really love pizza. And my favorite place to get pizza is at the bread bar. Now some of you, I don't have to explain this to you, you just understand with the moment I say that, of course. Because it's the best, it's the best place to get pizza in the world. And the reason is, is because the dough is rolled very thin throughout the pizza, and it's cooked perfectly, but it's still soft. And so it allows the toppings to just sort of melt in your mouth along with the dough. 
And then you get to the crust, and it's this perfect combination of chewy and crunchy, a little bit salty, but not too salty. And the truffle dip is delicious when combined with most of the flavors. I've, I've tried them, pretty much them all, and uh, I, can, I can attest to this. So if you are into pizza, I would suggest that you make your way just down Charlton on Lock Street and try the bread bar. Now, I just evangelized pizza to you. I proclaimed the pizza gospel, the good news that the greatest pizza has been found. And you'd be surprised that the bread bar is not sponsoring the sermon, actually. <laughs> and I also tied in a, a, a personal witness. I put myself behind the pizza saying, I think it's the best. Evangelism happens more naturally than we often think it does. We evangelize lots of things, from our favorite products to a sports team, perhaps an Etsy shop, a neighborhood, a city. We can't help but talk about the things that we love. And so it makes me wonder why it's different with Jesus. Why do we have such a hard time? And I think it's because the stakes the stakes are a lot higher. For us personally, our, maybe uh, how people see us is on the line. But also, the stakes for the other person are so high. I was especially convicted by an atheist by the name of Penn Gillette. And he says something quite striking about Christians. He says this, I don't respect Christians who don't proselytize, which is kind of another way of saying evangelize. He says, if you believe there is a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you don't think it's really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, I can't respect you. I think those are very powerful words for the church to hear. Think about the message that we have been entrusted with, the power that it has on a person's life, and how can we not tell everyone about this? Why don't we evangelize people all the time? Well, I want us this morning to look more at Jesus and the way that he lived this way. Because I think when we open it up to look at the life of Jesus, the outward life, Evangelism takes a more helpful, holistic look in our lives. And I think we can step into this realm a little bit more naturally and less forced. Because this is the way that Jesus went about his ministry. He lived, as we have been talking about, he lived up, in, and out. And we saw it in this passage. He prayed on the, mount, uh, on the mountain. He came down, he called the twelve, and then he lived outward in relationship with the crowds and his greater group of disciples. This is how he does it. And when you see this in this small little passage, you'll start to see it everywhere. Jesus, Jesus was an outward-focused person. And since discipleship is the spirit-led process of Christ being formed in each one of us, then this is how we should act too. It should naturally flow out of our relationships to live outward in our lives the way that Jesus did. And so how did Jesus do this? Well, I think... We need to look at three things to understand this. It's what is the outward life? 
what gets in the way of the outward life, and where is the breakthrough in the outward life. So what is it? When does it get out of balance? Or what gets in the way of it? And where is the breakthrough? So first, what is the outward life for Jesus? So I think we can see this in verse 17, where Jesus steps into the outward, when he says that he went down and stood on a level place, and a crowd of disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. So there must have been diversity in this crowd. All of these people came to see Jesus. They'd heard about him, and they wanted to hear from him and to be healed by him. Luke tells us that the, the crowds had needs, and Jesus was meeting them. They needed their diseases to be healed. They needed the evil spirits to be cast out. They needed Jesus' power in their lives. That's why they came to him. Because they needed him. And Jesus meets their needs, I think, in three different ways here. And this is where we start to see the more holistic view of the outward missional life. Jesus meets their needs physically, he meets their needs socially, and he meets their needs spiritually. So first, physically. This one I think is the easiest for us to see, right? Jesus healed them. He healed the people. Their physical needs. He, he cast out demons and he healed them of their diseases. And I think this is especially easy for us to see in the entire ministry of Jesus. He was one who had compassion. If Jesus showed emotion, it was most often, out of all of them, compassion on the crowds. And he healed because of his great compassion for the people. Socially, though, the, he, also, he, he also healed their social needs by healing them physically. Now, in that day and in that culture, when somebody had a, a disease, say, for example, leprosy, or when somebody was overcome by a spirit and they were not in themselves, they were unpredictable, acting out of character, and, and they were hard to, um, hard to predict— they were cast out of society. They were exiled from the town, from the city, from their family even. And this led to social isolation for those who were of physical needs. They needed to be healed in order to be brought back into a relationship with their family and their communities. And so as Jesus heals them physically of their diseases, not only are their bodies healed, but also their social relationships are healed in the same process because they are once again able to live in community. Jesus is honoring not just the physical bodies, but he's also honoring the, 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 the social element that comes along with sickness and disease in that day and age. And it speaks to us as well. And then lastly, spiritually. Because Jesus didn't just meet their physical needs or their social needs. He also met their spiritual needs. And this comes more in the following verses. But after he heals them, he launches straight into the Sermon on the Plain, which in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke is the greatest teaching around the ethics of the kingdom, of how we are called to live as followers of Jesus, or how God has even made us to live. It tells us all of this. And Jesus launches straight into that. And what, what commentators of the Bible often say in, the, in regard to this passage is that when Jesus begins launching into this instruction, he's meeting needs that they don't even know that they have. He's meeting their, their spiritual needs that they only know that they're itching for. 
And Jesus begins to meet them by telling them the ways that God has called us to live. Think about the St. Augustine quote that says that our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. This is exactly what Jesus is doing. He is speaking words of truth to restless hearts and saying, you know, I can meet your physical needs, I can meet your social needs, but you've got spiritual needs that you're going to be searching and searching and searching for the rest of your life unless you find me and follow me and listen to me and make me the center of your life. And so for Jesus, the outward life is more holistic than evangelism. It includes meeting the physical needs of others. It means meeting the social needs of others and the spiritual needs of others. Now here at First Hamilton, we have a mission that we are on. You know, Jesus was on a mission. We're on a mission as well. And it's a little bit unique to our church. And it goes like this. We are here to serve our communities by enfolding one another in the Father's love, making disciples of Jesus, and being sent by the Spirit for the renewal of our city and our world to the glory of God. I know that's a bit of a mouthful, but in it, I hope you can hear as I read it that we are a community that meets needs. That's why we exist. So we serve our community We we are of service to our community by enfolding one another in the Father's love. We recognize that there are spiritual needs that are in our community. We work to enfold people into the love of God, making disciples of Jesus, but also being sent for the renewal of our city. When I think about the word renewal, I think that it has so many different dimensions to it, from the physical to the social to the economic to the spiritual. All of these are often wrapped up together, and we are a community that serves our city by renewing it. I think about our Cap Debt Center. I think about how beautiful that is as a picture of renewal as we work to set people free and on a course of, of healing in terms of finances. And it's not just people who are of a certain socioeconomic status that need this type of renewal. We're finding that so many different people need it. And this is a way that we serve our communities. It is diverse in how it meets people. But just by itself, I would say CAP is a one-dimensional thing. It serves multiple dimensions when we start to lean into it a little bit more. Because here is what gets in the way of the outward life. I think, in a nutshell, what gets in the way of living outward lives faithful to the gospel or the way of Jesus is when we begin to isolate what that looks like. Okay, so we struggle with this often when we oversimplify things or when we just lean into things that we're more comfortable with. So if we think about the outward life as meeting the diverse needs of our community, physically, socially, and spiritually— We lose the gospel if we focus on just meeting the physical and the social needs of others. You know, sometimes we can be really good at helping people to pay bills or do groceries or watch their kids or invite people over for barbecues or sports games or or build relationships with our communities. These are all beautiful things, but if it isn't also tied to, in some way, working towards sharing the gospel, inviting people into a life-saving relationship with Jesus— then we don't, we lose the gospel itself, the good news for the world, which is a holistic renewal 
of all things. A balance of word and deed. Go back to the quote that I shared at the beginning by Penn Jillette. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, like if you believe the reality of the gospel of Jesus and yet you don't make it a part of your outward life, we have to ask ourselves, who is Jesus really to us? Is he the center of your life? Is he everything? Or is he only a part that you can adopt if you want him to be? Now imagine that you noticed that your neighbor's car tire looked a little bit flat. You saw it out your kitchen window over breakfast or your coffee, and you're like, oh, that's not good. Ah, it's okay. They'll be fine. And you let them keep driving on it. Well, that's dangerous. They could get hurt. They could get in a car accident. They could hit somebody because they veer off the road. They're not expecting it. You would be doing them an incredible disservice not to tell them about a need that you know that they have that they don't know that they have. This is one way to think about meeting the spiritual needs of others. And we need to work towards including this in our lives, in our outward rhythms. As Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ is the most important person in the history of the world. That if you don't know him, and if you don't make him the center of your life, if you don't come to him and make him the king of your life, then it's like you're walking around with a flat tire. Wouldn't you want somebody to point that out to you gracefully and help you to change that tire? This is what we are called to as Christians. But on the flip side, If we simply try to meet the spiritual needs of our communities and our neighbors without meeting the physical and the social needs, we also lose the gospel. We can fall into the temptation of thinking that people just need Jesus and then everything will be okay. That is not true. I think that underestimates the fall and the brokenness of this world. People need more than just Jesus. We also need help with paying bills. We also need help with our broken bodies. We also need help with learning how to live in relationship with each other. We also need help with fill it in. We are fully compromised by sin. And so our approach to serving our communities and our city has to be balanced. It cannot just be spiritual. It also has to include the physical and the social. Now, how can we actually do this? How can we live this balanced mission alive? I think the breakthrough comes when we ask ourselves the question, where do I fit into this equation? Where do I fit? If the answer to that is in the crowds, then we're on the right track. Think about where you would be right now without Jesus in your life. See, we're all in the crowds. We're all needing Jesus to come and meet our needs. Physically, time and age show themselves. And eventually, we will all become distinctly aware that this skin and bones is a rental. That, in the words of Justin Bieber, young blood thinks there's always tomorrow. 
And that's just not true, right? The, the mortality rate is one person for every one person. We have physical needs, each one of us, that we need Jesus to meet, a.k.a. the resurrection in life. Socially, we're bent towards polarization. We're seeing this more and more and more, that our society is just fragmented. And it's hard to live in deep, meaningful relationships with each other long-term, even within the church, let alone outside the church without Jesus. And it's Christ who holds all things together. And so we need Christ socially to help us live in relationship with each other. How many Thanksgiving dinners are we going to have that there's things that are off the table that we can't bring up? We need Jesus as the one who helps us to get along in deep, meaningful relationships with each other. And spiritually, we cannot work our way into a relationship with God. We're all going to fall up short. That's why the Christian gospel is such a beautiful thing for us, is that it's all grace. But just like the crowds, right here today, Jesus is meeting your needs. And the breakthrough comes when we see this. The breakthrough in the mission of life comes when we recognize this. And see Jesus as the one who is doing all of this for us and has done it for us 2,000 years ago because, see, Jesus throughout his entire life, he did this sort of thing. He met people's needs, the needs that they had, the needs that they didn't know that they had. He had compassion on the crowds. He healed people. He cast out demons. He did miracles. He forgave sins. He restored people. He taught as one who had authority. And then at the pinnacle of his life and his influence, he turned towards the cross. And his disciples were so confused. They wondered, what is he doing falling on the sword at the peak of his influence? But they didn't understand that the cross was not a deviation from Jesus' mission. It was actually the culmination of Jesus' mission. It was the culmination because Jesus knew that he could only heal the needs of the crowds to a degree. Okay? All of the people who he healed physically would die again. They would die again. All the people that he brought into community again would eventually be isolated. All the people that he instructed spiritually would never be able to live up to that standard. He knew that he needed to go to the cross. And on the cross, he stepped into a new realm because instead of just meeting our needs through instruction or by healing or by power. He took our needs upon himself. See, Jesus became us on the cross. He became one of us. And he took upon himself on the cross the effects of our physical sin. He died a physical death. He died. Socially, he was isolated. Everyone abandoned him. And when he turned to God in his moment of need, even God turned his face away from him. He knew social isolation. And spiritually, he took our sin. He wore our sin on his shoulders. He was a perfect man. And God had always said throughout the entire Bible, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you obey me, I will bless you. And Jesus obeyed God and got cursed. Why? Because he took our sin upon his shoulders. 
By his wounds, we are healed. And don't you see, Jesus meets our needs on the cross so that we could be healed, and it worked. The resurrection shows us this. He blew a hole through death. He reconciled us to God. He made it possible for us to be unified in the Spirit. We have the Spirit in us becoming more like Christ each and every day because Jesus Christ died and rose again, ascended to heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit. And so that means for us that when we recognize how deeply Jesus meets us in, our, in everything that we need, we are compelled to do the same for others. This starts when we believe, when we deeply believe. It turns out that living faithful lives devoted to God up and lives devoted to each other in drives us out. The deeper our relationship is with God, the more compelled we are to spread that good news. The deeper our relationships are towards each other, the more effectively we'll be able to do this because we are a group, a body, sent on a mission to renew the city and world to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for being the Savior that we needed, for meeting needs we don't even know that we have. God, we pray that you would become more and more each day the center of our lives and that we would recognize that apart from you, we are nothing. We are lost. We are empty. We are in deep, deep need of salvation. And thanks be to God that you've given it to us. May this drive us out as we are sent by the Spirit of God to renew our city to the glory of God. We pray that you help us do this faithfully. Help us to dream big about what that looks like. And God, we pray that you would bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.